Leadership Season 2, Episode 10. We're almost done. Isn't that right, Courtney? (laughs) Yeah, I'm tired. I'm okay with it. I'm exhausted and I'm putting that out there right here, right now for all of our listeners and for you. (laughs) Yeah, we're very tired. It's about to be fall break. We're at the IASBO conference right now, Triple I. We are able to connect with a bunch of people, but most importantly, we need to talk about what we're drinking today. Isn't that right? Yeah, because we do love our drinks and we leave no drink unnoticed. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. So I'm going to promote a store really quick. I'm going to celebrate and elevate a store that I think everyone needs to go to. And you know, it's called Spirit and Spice and it's in Oak Brook Mall and it looks like a gift shop, but it is not. And it has the best liquor and cordial mixes you can ever find. And they have really great workers in there and they help you pick out things to mix drinks. So if you're not a bartender and you don't want to mix your drinks, but this is the place you need to be, you should go there because they'll help you. Right now we are drinking a chocolate peppermint martini. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Tell us a little bit more about this experience because we have a lot of listeners that probably live in the Chicago suburbs and Oak Brook Mall's not too far from them. So what should they know about it? So you should know you go in there and it looks like a gift shop, but it has like wooden kegs all on the wall and they have whiskey on one side, back on the other side, tequila on the other side, cordials on the other wall. And they're from all over the world. And the workers there have little shot glass cups And they will walk you through the store and say, what's your favorite type of alcohol? Are you making a drink for a party? Are you looking for something specific? If not, let us mix up a couple things for you so you can try it, which also could be why I thought the store was so good (laughs) when I went in because they give you unlimited samples. But for those of you that have holiday parties or you are not a mixologist, but you really want to be, this is the place you need to go. It sounds exciting. I've never done anything like that, but it does sound fun. And aren't we getting ready for your drink party where every person gets to bring their own little creative drink? Maybe I'll go there and get some ideas. Yeah, that's, we should go because I'm telling you, you could probably win by buying like one of their pre-mixed alcohol uh, mixes. Plus like, you know, you add vodka or bourbon or tequila, like they made this awesome butter scotch drink. I like the butterscotch cordial on it on its own. And then this guy, the worker there, he was like, Nope, you need to add caramel bourbon. I'm like, ew, I'm not a big fan of bourbon, but he added it and it was delicious. And so now I trust him. He's like my new favorite person. Do they have beer there? Uh, no, they have a lot of champagne and Prosecco though in the back. Okay. All right. So there's something for everybody. (laughs) Do you think you might want to be a sponsor of the podcast? Uh, You know, when we go back, I'm going to ask him, I might even do like a quick live 10 minute Here's your free um, commercial just because I love the store so much. I think you just gave them an amazing commercial for free. (laughs) I do too. too. So Spirit and Spice, if you're listening to this, we're into it. We want you to be a sponsor. Even if you don't want to be a sponsor and you just want to send us some drinks so that we can drink during our podcast time, we're into that too. You know, either one works. Yeah. We're equal opportunity drinkers. That's for sure. We are. And now we're going to cheers. All right, everyone. Like we said, we're back. We have a special guest on today, our inspirational speaker, former Chicago Cubs player, Chris Singleton. He's got a very special story to share with all of you about being grateful. And we feel like this is a great time to talk about it because it's about to be Thanksgiving. We're grateful for all of our listeners. We're grateful for each other. And we just want to start the holiday season off on a good note, right? 
<laughs> we do because did I mention I'm tired, but this is helping me. This is helping me think about the things that we are grateful for. I'm grateful for my children. I got a lot of great feedback about Elle being on the podcast last week, Kate. They just loved her. They love her cute little voice and hopefully she'll make another appearance. She's feeling very special. So thank you to all of our listeners for that. So I'm grateful for our listeners and I'm grateful for my children. What are you grateful for? I am grateful for our listeners, my family, my staff, my bulldog Hank that I talk about all the time. Um, you know, I'm just feeling grateful for all kinds of things, but you know what I am not grateful for. And we need to talk about today on the podcast. Oh, okay. We're just okay. jumping right into what we're not grateful for. Yeah. I feel like I need to talk about this and I feel like people listening to this podcast are educators or they're in, you know, business or different realms in general. I cannot stand, and I know it's meant to be funny and it's on videos, but I came across a video two weeks ago and it was a comedian and he was talking about how teachers, once you get brand new teachers and they come into your school, a lot of um, veteran staff or people that have been there for a while talk to newer staff like they're getting a prison sentence. <laughs> like, don't worry, you only got 35 years until retirement, nine and a half days until fall break. And, you know, four hours left in the day and don't worry. Cause it's almost Friday. Do you not hear that? Yikes. I don't love that. And I do know what you're talking about. I know that I've been in situations and people will talk about retirement and say, I have X amount of board meetings left. I have X amount of days left. I have X amount of time in this profession. We should be really grateful that we are in this profession. And as far as I'm concerned, yeah. And I just feel like with a teacher shortage and people not, you know, really being as excited to go into education, we're not doing anybody any favors by when you get a really great, excited, energetic educator, like this is my first classroom. This is my first parent teacher conference. And you constantly hear like, oh, this sucks. This is really rough. Oh man. You only got a couple more days left. Like, geez, thanks for coming. Like we need to change the narrative on that. And I think people do it out of habit. I think they do it because there are memes and like TikToks and a lot of videos that promote it and people laugh at it and they think it's funny. And honestly, I used to be one of those people, but now I feel this like large responsibility having a building with newer teachers. And maybe I'm just overly sensitive to that, but I just don't want them to start their career in a space where they're feeling like, oh, I, I have to count down to things like that kind of sucks. I mean, I don't know. It's just maybe, maybe a sensitive topic to me at this point. No, I think it's a real topic. And I think a lot of people listening probably have experienced that I've probably done it. You've probably done oh, it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now I think we're in an environment in education that we do need a lot of positivity. I also know people though, that are getting ready to retire that feel like, I don't want to retire. I've still got so much to give. And those are really energetic people. So I never have thought about that as age because I've also watched people come right out of college and be super negative. So maybe the message isn't the veteran staff or the people who are getting ready to retire. Maybe the message is we've got positive people in organizations and we have people who are miserable. Yeah, actually, that's a much better way of framing it because, and I should say a side note, it's not like I hear that from my teachers. I love my teachers. I love my staff. They're great. Um, but it's, you need to make that clar clarification because they're all going to be like, 
we don't do that. We don't do that. Not. And they're going to say, I don't say that to people. And no, not that. I think I've just seen it a lot more like on social media and a lot of like newer people coming into education. Talk about that. Like, oh, I survived my first parent teacher conference. I survived my first blah, blah, blah. And it's just a typical thing that people do in education. And we should change that. I don't know how, but I just think if we want to get people eager to go into education, we have to kind of promote something for them to be eager about. Yeah. My daughter wants to be a teacher and I love it. I think it's awesome. I think it's exciting. I try to get her excited about it. And she looks at all the people who are around her as if they are her heroes. I think that that's a really overwhelming positive type of environment to be in, to think you've got kids watching you every single day and they're watching our every interaction. Think about it. They watch it in the office. They watch it in the nurse's office. They watch it in the hallways, all of those things. Like we're, we're role models in how we behave in front of students, whether they're seniors in high school or their children. I know. And I think I'm more sensitive to it around the holidays because we have some students that, you know, have really difficult homes or maybe don't have great homes to go to. So they think of their teacher in their classroom, like this is my home, you know, like this is my safe space. I don't want to go on Christmas break. I don't want to go on fall break because I like being here more than I like being at home. And so I think we need to give kids more opportunities in general, in education to express those feelings to their teachers, because I think that that intrinsically will help because, you know, once you have those conversations with staff, whether they're veteran or new, they're like, oh, you're right. I really do make a difference for so-and-so every single day. And I'm like, yeah. And then imagine when they hear you say like, I've only got three hours left to this day. I can't wait to get out of here. They're probably like sitting there like, oh man, what? Like that sucks. Well, it's also the idea of we get to do this work. Mm Mm-hmm. Not we have to do it, but we get the opportunity every day to do this work. And we should be really grateful for that. Is there anything else that you're grateful for? That you want to hear? <laughs> now that I wanted my tangent about what I'm not grateful. For. I love your tangents. We love tangents. We're always on one. We're always on a tangent. Um, I am, I'm just grateful in general for my health. I think that we've had a lot happen in the past year, you know, in both of our lives with loved ones and people getting sick and people passing away. So I'm super fortunate that right now in this very moment, everyone that I love and care about is healthy. And I think that's something we don't think about every day, but we definitely should. Hey, that's a really good one. I love that. I'm also thankful and grateful for the people that I work with as well. Shout out to Sherry Middleton, who does incredible work at our association. I must give her a shout out thinking about her, uh, thinking about a lot of the people that I've just had the opportunity to work with over the years. I think that when we think back, we didn't land where we are by chance. And so the people who we are surrounded by and with all of the time we should be grateful for that. So hopefully our listeners are out there. I know that you put on Twitter something about you do a gratitude journal and then what what's that all about? Yeah, I I, I do that actually. <laughs> when I wake up every morning, I think about, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, I do do that. That's enough. <laughs> no, I know, but it's like such a small part of my day, but I guess it's bigger. Like every day I wake up before I work out, I write down one sentence about something I'm grateful for, no matter how big, how small, you know, going back to the people I work with, I'm super fortunate. I hired a great assistant principal, Sarah Weeks. She's phenomenal. I could not transition to a newer building without her. Um, I have some amazing, all of my staff is actually amazing. I love them all, honestly. And I think I'm super grateful to be able to say that as a principal, that like, I love 
my entire staff, every single person. Um, I especially love when some of them listen to our podcast and laugh at things that we say and then bring it up in a big group setting because they think it's funny, like our would you rathers, um, like Laura Hodge and Becky Jones and Sarah Abdelhadi, who is like a diehard listener from our building. And she's just amazing too. So I do think that we have a lot of people in our life that we are really grateful for workers, listeners, everybody. Yeah, we have also found out that some people are listening that we didn't necessarily realize were listening. Um, Mark G is who I will say, uh, one of our new listeners who I worked with 20 some years ago at a high school. And I believe that he is still there teaching an incredible teacher. It's just been really cool to have all of these random people come back. I hope that our podcast brings some people together around common ideas, unites people, maybe gets people to think. I know that we've also been working on this June 22nd event in Harvard, Illinois. Do you want to share any insights into that, Kate? Well, guys, we just made the agenda-ish what we think we're going to do, and it's great. There's going to be food. There's going to be drinks. We might even do a live podcast with everyone in the audience that day. Don't worry, we're not going to show your visual. We're just going to do audio because we're not on the train of like, let's have a video where everyone has to look their best. Like we're not into that. So we're going to give more details soon, but that's like the cliff notes. Yeah. I like it. We, we still have a lot of work and planning to do with that, but we're grateful for that too. We're grateful for the opportunities that we've been afforded as we look towards the new year. And, uh, it's just looking back, Uh, There's been some ups and downs for both of us this past year, but we're moving forward and looking forward, aren't we? That's right. We are ready for 2023. We're ready for season three. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that just kind of rhymed season three in 2023. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's season three, but it's also like season two and a half because we have so many people coming on the podcast and We've had people reaching out to both of us saying, I want to be on the podcast, which I think is really cool because we have spoken about that. Kudos to those people. We're absolutely going to get them on and get them scheduled. And you're going to have a solo interview today with Chris Singleton, Kate. I'm really proud of you because I'm not able to be there for this interview. Things kind of got scrambled a little bit for us, but you're going to run solo and I'm really excited. Are you nervous to interview him by yourself? Um, no, I think it's going to be great. I love to talk to people. So I feel confident in that. I'm excited for people to hear his message. And I think Chris will share with our listeners that he, his main goal, if you've ever seen him public speak is that he wants to get his message to as many people as possible. And so we're hoping that this podcast will help expedite that for him so that he has more listeners, has more people listen to his message and he doesn't have to leave his home because let's be honest, that's the best part. For sure. He is going to be such a great interview. I'm so sad that I'm not going to be there, but I have all the confidence in you. I'm excited that our listeners are going to be able to hear from him as well. And what a great way to end season two with somebody like Chris Singleton. I know it's a good thing. We stalked him out at another conference (laughs) and made him sign on to a date like we, like we do with Damon and we're feeling good about it. We're feeling great about it. Love it. 
Well, hopefully all of you are experiencing some sense of gratitude today, thinking about what you're grateful for. Certainly we're grateful for each other. We're grateful for you. But before we get to our interview with Kate and Chris Singleton, let's first hear from our Sparkle sister, Dr. Bhavna Sharma Lewis with today's Sparkle Spotlight. Hi, this is Bhavna Sharma Lewis with today's Sparkle Spotlight. No one really sees what you do right. Everyone sees what you do wrong though. And when that becomes clear to you, you will start doing things for the right reasons and you will start having so much more fun. Cheers to living your best life. Sparkle on. All right, everyone, we are here with Chris Singleton. He is a former minor league baseball player. He was drafted by the Chicago Cubs, and now he's an inspirational speaker telling his story all over the U.S. Chris's mission is love your neighbor, and today we're going to talk to him about how he got started, what he's doing now, and why he's probably the most important person you're going to hear from right before Thanksgiving. Isn't that right, Chris? I appreciate that intro. That, that's, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So Chris, as you know, Courtney and I conned you into unsupervised leadership, and we always ask all of our guests, tell us a little bit about who you are and what's your favorite drink? Yeah, a little bit about who I am. So I'm, I'm a young guy uh, with a young family. Um, I've got two beautiful kids. One's five, one is one. Um, I'm married to my high school sweetheart, been together for about uh, 10 and a half years. Um, other than that, I, I think other things about me is I, I'm a washed up athlete, so I don't play anymore, <laughs> but I do love sports. I love baseball, I love basketball, I love watching that. I love speaking to those teams. Um, and then I guess the last thing is that I travel around the, the country sharing my story of, of, of unity and my mission of just bringing people closer together. So that's what I do. That's who I am. And my favorite drink. Okay. So my favorite drink, I would just say is a, is a margarita with, uh, I'd say like, you know, some, uh, I'd say like 1942 is like the tequila that I'd like to have. So, okay. um, This is good. I personally like Casamigos, but I feel 1942. This is good. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I'd say I go for. My wife's got me on that, on that, on that vibe right now. Salt around the rim. That's what my wife's always drinking. So Ah, there you go. So not to be creepy, but we saw on your Twitter that it was your kid's first day at daycare the other day. It was. Yeah. And my wife was crying. She was like all emotional about it and stuff. But I know I was like, oh, I hope you had a good day. (laughs) uh, He had a great day. Yeah. And the thing was, like, he's been around other kids. Uh, I think she was just nervous because she wasn't going to be there, you know, but it went well. Yeah. So you've shared a lot about your love for your family, how you can only be gone like 150 days out of the year or something. I remember you saying that before, which I love that you are honest about that. You really do that for your wife and for your kids. So this podcast will hopefully help you share your message with a lot of educators, a lot of people that listen, because I know that that is your primary focus. So for those people listening that don't know you and don't know who you are, can you tell them a little bit about your story and kind of where your mission came from? Absolutely. Um, so about my story, I, I played baseball. I played it at a pretty decent level. I played in college. And once I got to college, that's when my life changed. So um, I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. I live there currently. And there was a very, very traumatic thing that happened to me and my mom uh, at my church. So uh, my mom was one of the nine victims of the Mother Emanuel AME Church um, tragedy. It was a mass shooting where a guy said, you know, I want to start a race war in this country. That was his goal. 
and uh, ultimately I lost I lost my mom in that unfortunately so now what I do is I try to do the opposite of what this guy tried to do right he came in trying to spread hatred trying to divide this nation in the world and now I'm traveling the country to different schools and school districts and educators and just trying to do the opposite of that and teach love and how we can come together and how we can love one another even though we look different we might vote different right uh, we wear different clothes listen to different music how can we still live and harmony. So that's the mission that I'm on. And uh, it's been going well so far. Yeah, you know, your story, I've heard it twice now. And each time I hear it, it gets better and better, even though it's the same story. But I just think it's something all educators, all students, you know, kids should hear at a young age, because, you know, you talked a lot about when you spent time in the old folks home, and you had met some people there that kind of helped you and you were teaching them about yourself and where you came from and they were teaching you about themselves too, which I love that story too. But do you, can you talk about a time that you felt like sharing this message has really made an impact on people? I mean, you've made an impact on us as educators, but has there been a specific place you've gone and spoken to or a story you've heard back afterwards that really made you feel like, yeah, okay, this is good. Yeah. I think part of sharing my story with so many kids is that I'm, I'm usually in and out, right? And it's a good and bad thing. The good thing is kids feel like they can share whatever they want with me because they say, man, if I share this with my counselor, they they might ask me about it every single day. And I, I might not want that, but I can lay it on Chris. And that, trust me, they do. Um, and then it's my job to follow up with the counselor afterwards. But, you know, I, I keep screenshots in my phone. So I don't really keep trophies anymore of like when I played. Um, what I mainly keep are these screenshots of students that say, Hey, I want to do something terrible to myself and, you know, hearing your story of being able to get through the worst of the worst, losing both of your parents before you were 20 years old, being a teenager, taking care of teenagers, like, man, if you can get through it, I can too. And I've got hundreds of these. I actually keep it um, in my cell phone. And if people were watching, they could see me pulling it up, but I want to show you uh, because it's, it's so powerful. So these are like a bunch of different screenshots and photos um yeah. from kids oh that that's amazing see. see that's so great right like that probably makes all of this the 150 days you're out of your house you know worth it right absolutely i mean i, I think anytime you can make an impact on somebody's life is important um and i think we have that opportunity every single day if you work in schools but but when somebody says, Chris, I was going to do something terrible to myself and you stopped me from doing that, you can't put a price on that for me. And so uh, that's what that's why I do what I do. Also, when it's like, hey, I meet the 70 year old that's you know been kind of racist his whole life. And he's like, man, Chris, you gave me a different perspective, man. I didn't I didn't think I could ever change my heart, but uh, I think I can. And I think I can love people, even though they, they think and look a little different to me. And so I, I cherish those moments because. Ultimately, that's what I'm after. I promised my mom I would try. And uh, when I see that there's um, change happening, it means a lot to me. Yeah. So what do you think your mom would think about your work today? And what skill trait do you have that you attribute to your mom? Oh, I'd, I'd say uh, my, um, I guess being an orator, orator is something that my mom kind of helped me with because she was a speech language pathologist and she was very keen on how I spoke, right? She wanted me to speak uh, in an eloquent eloquent way and not like mess stuff up and speak slang all the time. So I think that's one thing she definitely helped me with big time. Um, I think she'd be proud of, she was in like this thing called Toastmasters. You ever heard to- Toastmasters before? It's like, no. an, 
Yeah, Toastmasters is like uh, people that struggle with public speaking. Like, you know, some people are just terrified of it. Like they start going, breaking out in hives. <laughs> well, you yeah. go to Toastmasters and you basically practice in front of people. You practice your speech, you practice your whatever it is that you have to do for work. Um, lawyers, a lot of times, you know, they have their opening or closing remarks and that, you know, they get nervous. They don't want to mess up and they, they want to be captivating and, you know, win the jury jury over. So they go to Toastmasters and my mom was like a, a part of Toastmasters getting better at speaking uh, publicly. And uh, so I think she'd get a kick out of, of it that I that I do this for a living and I travel um, around the country and the world a little bit now doing so. So I think she'd love that. Yeah. I mean, you're a, a public speaker. That's your role now, an inspirational public speaker. So she's absolutely proud of you for that. If you could think about it, which I know this is hard, but we've talked about this, you know, with some other people on the podcast that have lost their parents. What do you miss the most about your mom? Good question. I say one of the things that I miss the most about my mom is uh, she's my biggest fan, like when it came to my sports. Mm -hmm. And so even like now when I'm speaking to, you know, Boeing or speaking to Microsoft or speaking to NFL teams, I knew she would be like the the proud mom posting that on all her social medias, right? Yeah. Um, and so just those moments where I knew she was proud of me, something I definitely miss. Um, and now I'm just trying to recreate those moments with my kids. I heard a speaker one time, I was at a conference for uh, like a sports conference where I was speaking at. And the guy basically said, uh, you, when you, when you're with your kids, like make sure that they know you're proud of them don't talk about what they did wrong that day or whatever ask them what it is that they can probably do better next time or and then ask them what would they like for you to help them work on so for me i want my kids to know that i'm always proud of them um, that i'm always here for them and uh we definitely want to work towards something though for sure so it's something my mom always did for me yeah you like you radiate positivity and perseverance. And you talked a little bit about the unfortunate event that the really tragic event that happened with your mom. But even, you know, before that you go through a lot of different pieces of perseverance throughout like your professional career. I remember you talking and telling everyone about how, you know, you ended up, why you ended up staying with the old folks in the old folks home and the different like deals you got with your bat and with your cleats and with different things things like that. Do you want to share parts of that with our listeners? Cause I know that that's like part of yeah. your story. That's always resonated with me. Cause I'm thinking like, wow, this guy never gave up. It didn't matter what the circumstance was. He found a way out. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, when I was playing in the minor leagues, I think that you're, you're speaking of like, we didn't have, you know, we would, we didn't make any money in the minor leagues. We just weren't making any money. And, um, my agent who was a phenomenal agent at the time, and I'm still, I'm still close with him today. He uh, he basically was like, hey, Chris, I know you don't have any money like the Cubs gave me one hundred thousand dollars for my signing bonus. But out of that hundred thousand dollars, you know, Uncle Sam's going to get his his cut. So Uncle Sam took about thirty five grand of that. And I took the other sixty five or so. And I basically, you know, put it with my mom's life insurance to buy us a house. So I didn't have any money left over. And my agent got me free gloves, free bats and stuff. But he got me a place to live for free, which was called St. Paul's Retirement Community. And in this community, this uh, is where I really found the passion for articulating what it looks like to be different, but still celebrated, right? Because I was living there and long story short, this older lady who I call Grandma E because that's what she told me to call her, um, <laughs> told me that 
um, her great grandbabies call themselves chocolate and vanilla ice cream. And she said they're twins. And I basically was like, there's no way they're twins if one's black and one's white, which they were. And she like smiled and basically told me, hey, I talked to them, they call themselves chocolate and vanilla because I want them to know that although they're different on the outside, on the inside where it counts, they're just as sweet, Chris. And she told me that story. And, and for me, it was so impactful because, you know, I lost my mom in a very, very heinous way. And I always thought to myself, man, I wish more people would teach their kids and grandkids like, uh, like this Grandma E. And for, that's what I try to reiterate when I'm at schools, when I'm talking to educators, superintendents, like we got to make sure our kids feel celebrated because they are different, right? Some kids have a different uh, sexual orientation than others. Some kids, you know, their first language is not English, right? So they are different, different cultures, um, different faiths or whatever it may be. But, but every kid needs to feel celebrated. And I feel like that is my mission when I go into schools. When I leave, the kid that has to, that's deaf and uses sign language every single day, you know, they say they're celebrated. They're not picked on anymore. Or the kid that doesn't have any money and he wears the same, you know, jeans three or four times a week, the same shirt two or three times a week because he doesn't have a, he or she doesn't have a lot of clothes to change into. When I leave, it's like, you know what, they're going to feel like they're celebrated, even though they don't have um, like the other kids. So uh, Grandma E taught me that. And now I just try to reiterate it when I'm, when I'm traveling across the country. Yeah. And that's a great message for anyone to hear. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter. You're never too old to hear that message to be kind to one another. And you're never too young because you're you're right. We don't give enough time for kids to be celebrated. I think schools, you know, sometimes get caught up in the, the test scores and the, the progress. And we don't do a good enough job of teaching people how to be good humans, which is something that is so underrated right now. And I hope that that changes. Yeah. And, and also like for, like just at the core of who most people are, it usually comes back to our upbringing. Like I was, um, I'm really big on always trying to give to the homeless. And one time I caught myself thinking like, man, are they going to use this money for drugs? Like I was just asking myself, like I always give every time somebody's panhandling, I never like look the other way or close my window. Cause I'm like, I just feel like a jerk if I'm doing that. It's not right. It just doesn't sit right in my stomach. But one time I gave the guy like five bucks and I was like, man, am I helping him or hurting him right now? And I started thinking, okay, people that are homeless, you know, why are they homeless? Most times they have like a, a drug problem. And, you know, most of the times they have the drug, why they have a drug problem? Uh, because they're coping with some pain or some mental illness that they're going through or some PTSD. Um, and then it's like, well, why do they have that pain or that trauma? And it's like their upbringing. And I always come back to like when people are young and their kids and their upbringing and how much that impacts every single person. And so, that's why I try to get them, get them while they're young. I know you're in education as well. So I think we, we have the power to make some change for sure. Yeah. And not only do we have the power, we have the responsibility. Like mm. I feel like we're blessed to have this stage to do it, but we are also responsible for doing it because I wouldn't, I don't feel right sending kids to another school or another grade level without knowing, like I explicitly had a conversation with you about how to be accepting of other people or what to do if you, you know, don't feel comfortable talking to somebody, which again is something that there's no curriculum for and there's no, no book. Um, but that's just a human trait that people should, I mean, have or harness or, or figure out what that looks like. And listen, we know you're a great human because Courtney and I are always stalking you because you're always doing great things online. And this morning I texted Courtney and I said, listen, are you kidding me? Look at what Chris did. He has, 
I mean, you can tell everyone because you're a great human and I want everyone to know, but you gave a basketball team all of their sneakers and socks for the entire year. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. I did this morning. I used to play for this team. So the coach, um, and I mentioned this guy a lot. His name's Coach Hall. And a lot of my talks, I talk about Coach Blake Hall. He's like the first white guy that I ever heard say, I love you to me. And we have a phenomenal relationship to this day. And uh, I asked him, I said, hey, man, is there anything I can do for the team? He's like, uh, send me a list of stuff. I said, man, let me take care of their cleats and their, 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 their I mean, not their cleats, excuse me, their, yeah. their sneakers. I'm thinking baseball, but their yeah. sneakers <laughs> and their socks. And he's like, man, that'd be amazing. So I did it. Me and my wife, we, uh, we have a goal of, you know, giving away a certain amount of money every single year. Yeah. So I'm just passionate about giving. It, it feels so much better. Like it feels better than getting. And it sounds cliche until you see the impact that you make on somebody else's life. And you're like, no, the, the pair of Jordans I was about to buy, it means nothing compared to me giving this away and seeing this person like be in tears, you know? Right. Like giving them something that they, they need, but they aren't going to get every day, like things that people take for granted all the time. And the funny thing was they were, they were all joking around about one of the players who has never worn actual basketball shoes. He's only worn like, like track shoe, like not track shoes, but running shoes and like uh, regular sneakers. He's never worn basketball shoes. So everybody's joking around about him, but deep down I was like, dang, that kind of sucks. I'm glad he's got some yeah, basketball like, shoes now, you know? Yeah. For sure. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Courtney was like, look at this. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like you, when we talk about you radiating like positivity and just being a good human for other people, you really are. So like, I know, I mean, I never was able to meet your mom, but I know that she would be so proud of you, especially being a speech pathologist and like having you go to the toast meetings. Now look at you. That's like your whole <laughs> career, which is amazing. So speaking of all these great things that you do, I think people listening are probably like, wow, this guy's great. Like he's, you know, gone into the minor leagues, into the major leagues. He's a professional speaker. You know, he gives to people. If you could think of your greatest fear, what would that be? My greatest fear? Well, I used to have nightmares about this. Oh. I don't know if you, and it's not like super deep, so don't get yeah, like, no, oh, no, no, you didn't need to be. If it's spiders, we just want to hear about it. <laughs> no. So I don't know if you see, have you seen the movie? I robot or Will Smith? Yes. Okay, so in iRobot, there's a scene where, where Will Smith, like they, I think they get off of a bridge or something, and he's in the car, and the robot saves him but doesn't save his family, right? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. And my biggest fear is like one day I will be, I'll be in a situation where I get saved, but I can't save my family. And, you know, I think it's partly because I lost my mom, wasn't able to save her, but also like my, you know, I got two kids, I got my wife. And um, I would, you know, I, I just couldn't fathom myself seeing the car go down, me not being in the car, trying to save them, but needing air. So it's like, ah, so that's like a big, deep fear that I used to have. I used to have nightmares about that, um, but I don't I don't have many more. But that's definitely my biggest fear. And it's I knew it off the top of my head, too. Wow, that was that's actually really deep. I feel like that's a deep answer. I thought you were <laughs> like, I'm afraid of spiders or, you know, something else. But like, that's. Okay. I yeah. definitely, I feel you on that. That's scary. So this podcast, we try and elevate and celebrate female leaders, like people thinking about going into leadership, people thinking about going into public speaking. Um, what advice can you give to anybody or specifically females about like taking that leap and kind of following their passion into doing inspirational speaking or talking to kids or starting their own, you know, company or mission or vision like you did? 
if you can give someone that. Advice. Absolutely. I think a lot of females, especially in, in education, I, I would say this. I've seen so many times where people reach out to me, Chris, you know, I, I, I love to share my expertise on this. And there's this conference out in Colorado. They want me to speak there. And there's so many teachers, they're so used to giving everything away, just like adding so much value, never asking for anything back that like they never charge for anything. And this is a hack that I start sharing with some of my female friends that are teachers. And they're like, well, Chris, how do I ever say like, you know, this is my fee or this is how much I charge for something. And I told them, and this kind of sounds like this is a, this is a hack now. Okay. I'm giving away one of my hacks. Wow. Okay. Okay. This is a hack. I told them, I said, next time somebody asks you, you say, uh, well, ask if they have a budget for it, obviously. And then you, if they like ask you, you know, why do you charge? You immediately can say something like, Hey, this is what I say for my kids college fund. When I go on the road and I speak, like I always get paid because this is what I say for my kids college fund, or this is what I say for my family or something like that. Because you want to give everything away, but at a certain point, it's like they're asking you for your expertise. Like you got to know your value. Yeah. And so that's what I shared with them. And there's a lady who's a principal in South Carolina. She literally like the conference in Colorado, like that's not, a, I'm not making that up. It actually happened. And she used the hack and she's like, what, Chris, they're paying me. This is amazing. They're paying for my flight. I'm getting paid. Also, they write me a check. This is fin-. like, it was really cool. And she was so nervous to do it because she's so used to just giving everything away for free. And it's like, no, you are an expert in this, right? And this is actually about virtual learning. And I'm like, you're an expert in this. So they're going to, they're going to want to pay you for it. And they did. So, yeah. Wait, see, Chris, this is another reason why people are going to love you. You're helpful all the time. Look at that. Have you ever gone back to the school you went to? Oh yeah, for sure. I was there this morning when I gave the sneakers away. So yeah, I'm I'm there frequently. I would, I will say it is kind of hard to, when I first started speaking like six years ago, it's kind of, it was hard to win in my backyard. Like they would bring me out to Seattle before they bring me out to like my middle school I went to. And it was weird until everybody's like, wow, Chris is speaking to over a hundred events every year. Man, why is he doing anything here? And it's like, I want to do stuff here too. And then they were finding uh, the school district down here. A couple of them were like, man, Chris, we got to have you involved. And I'm like, of course I'll be here. You know, this is 20 minutes from my house. I'd love to serve here. And so I do a lot of our schools here too. Yeah, obviously you were there for the basketball. I was just thinking like public speaking wise, is that weird going back to where, you know, you used to be to talk about that, but probably not because they know you. No, and I had a good experience too, for me. I had, I had a good experience. And I think if I talked about it as a bad experience and it would be a little weird and awkward, right? But our, my basketball coach to this day is like, you know, I don't have my parents, so I go to him. (laughs) And uh, yeah, he's, he's one of my, my guys forever. So I had a good experience. So I'm, I'm, I'm still here. Okay. This is great. We love that. All right, Chris. So we know that you are busy and you have a lot of stuff going on and we don't want to take you away from those beautiful babies or your great wife any longer than we have to. But before you go, do you have any F4 leaders in your world, people, and an F4 leader is a fantastic, fabulous, fierce female that you want to give a shout out to, um, just for leading or being inspirational or giving to people that you've come in contact with that our listeners should follow or should know. Oh, okay. I got one for you. Her name is, uh, Debbie Antonelli. So Debbie Antonelli, um, she is a former college basketball player and now she's an analyst. Um, and she does like broadcasting for the, 
um, NCAA men's um, tournament um, in March Madness, but she also does it for like the ACC and she does it for big games, all like men and women all over. So she's phenomenal. And the really cool thing about her is she has a son who has special needs and she does something called um, 24 hours, nothing but net. And so Debbie Antonelli basically shoots 100 free throws every single hour for 24 hours straight to raise money. And I will come on and speak at her events, just like pump people up as they're live streaming, watching her. But when I tell you she is knocked down as a shooter, she's one of the best shooters I've ever seen in my life. Like, period. I think she shot like 96% or 97% shooting 100 free throws every single hour for 24 hours straight. Like 97%. Like, it's it's crazy like that. And she's a phenomenal leader. Um, She is a person that's been doing what she does for 30 years, I want to say. And she knows her worth. She's like, hey, I've been doing this. I got 30 years of experience. You know, it's time for me to get paid what I'm what I'm supposed to get paid, you know? And she, you know, she does. So she's definitely phenomenal, fierce. I don't know what the other ones were. Well, well, actually, phenomenal is not enough. Yeah, well, that's fine. We can add adjectives. This is great. This is your show, Chris. We get to change it to whatever you want. But okay. (laughs) Um she's definitely all those and then some. Debbie Antonelli. Debbie, we're gonna have. Does she have a Twitter? Can we follow her? She does. Yeah, Debbie Antonelli. She's. Uh, I'm sure she's verified on all that stuff. But yeah, I'll, I'll find her and we'll share her when we share out your podcast on Twitter and Apple Podcasts and Spotify because we love to celebrate and elevate other females that are out there doing really great things for people. Um, maybe she can teach me how to shoot a basketball because I still don't know how to do that. So that's something we can reach out to her for too. Um, but Chris, thank you so much for coming on our podcast today, especially for a grateful episode because we're grateful for great humans like you that help all of our little learners and all of our adult learners um, throughout the day. So listeners, happy early Thanksgiving. We hope that you had a great time listening to Chris, especially before you get together with your family for Thanksgiving. Always remember to be grateful for them. And please remember, if you don't have a seat at the table, you can always sit with us.